Good evening. Please open your Bibles with me to Malachi chapter 3. This evening, if the Lord is pleased, we'll look at a a most blessed verse. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. We will look in a few moments at a few of the leading leadings contained in it, but I will take leave of that for now as we read the chapter in its entirety. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, and we'll read through to the end of the chapter. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old, as in former years. And I will come near to you to judgment, And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, and against the adulterers, and against false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow, and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinances, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet you say, What have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, It is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. And now we call the proud happy, yea, they that wicked, 
they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them, as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. I know the Lord will bless the reading of his word to the hearts of his people here this evening. He always does. (laughs) In ways I won't know about, maybe I'll never know about. (laughs) When... I've been reading um, a book that I think any pastor or preacher should read. It's I won't I won't promote it, but but the the author remarked that sometimes sermons have a life of their own, and uh, I think this is one of those cases where a sermon has a life of its own. I I I thought I was going to have a a three-point message that was very nice, and I thought, oh yes, very nice. It'll be it'll be a good message. But uh, um, this one verse <laughs> is just filled with so much gospel. And I, I beg the Lord that he'd bless all of us here tonight, that he'd comfort the hearts of his people with the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our portion this evening is really just the first verse. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. As we look at the pattern that's here contained in this one verse under two headings, I pray that the Lord will comfort our weary hearts. I don't know if you've had a day that's been weary. Uh, seems like every day is weary. <laughs> Lord, Lord bless you. The first leading that we'll look at is the faithful witness and his witnesses. And the second being the person of worship and his worshipers. Verse 1. We'll just read a part of it. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. Most certainly, this is a prophetic text that has its fulfillment in John the Baptist. As the Lord's messenger, he declares, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the Lord's messenger, he declares, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's take a look at that. Portion. John chapter 1, verses 29, and we'll read through to verse 34. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Beloved, he is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. He is the Word made flesh. And I knew him not, 
but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, on remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Who is referred to in our text by the words, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me? Who is the messenger that God will send, and has sent in the fulfillment of this prophecy? Well, the answer most plain is John the Baptist. But the pattern set forth here is most blessed and far-reaching. Not only has our Sovereign Lord sent John the Baptist, but he sends all his witnesses. Let us now consider this pattern under the heading of that, the, the faithful witness and his witnesses. Behind every pulpit, there are only two types of people there. Someone sent of God or someone sent of man. Someone who lies not or someone who lies. In every public witness or private witness, in the name of God, there are only two types of witnesses. True witnesses who lie not or false witnesses who lie about God and lie about how man may be saved. What do they lie about specifically? They lie about Christ and Him crucified. In other words, they lie about the Lord's blessed person and His finished saving work. So rare and precious is the gospel of our salvation, I fear, and I trust you can say this with me, beloved, I grieve the truth as it is in Jesus is rarely heard in our day. So how is it that these unsent messengers, these false witnesses, lie about our Lord? They lie about His person, and they lie about His saving work. These filthy liars say that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. However, for all intents and purposes, they are, practically speaking, atheists. While they profess the Lord God, they will say that God wants to save you, but you must let him save you, because you know he's, he's a gentleman. Blasphemy. How dishonoring to the character of our Lord. Beloved, I know that if you learn something here tonight that dishonors God's Son, your Savior, you will not continue to repeat it. Something you learn to, that dishonors the Lord. By that I mean God's people sometimes can learn something that's just not right. And when you learn about it, wow, that, that dishonors my Lord. I, I never want to say that again. But then there's other people that just keep on backbiting and denying the Lord. God's only word does not set him forth like some kind of English gentleman. Or for that matter, even as some kind of English king. He is set forth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will have his people to be saved. Well, how do I know he came to save me? Tell me. When you hear about our blessed God and King, Jesus Christ, 
Are you not moved? Do you not long to fall prostrate before your sovereign, the Savior of sinners, and kiss his feet in worship and adoration? What must you do to be saved? Believe on the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and thou shalt be saved. Irrespective of what some liar may have told you, your salvation does not depend on you. Not, not in the least. Your salvation depends entirely, entirely upon what He will do with you. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 2, verse 12. We read these words. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish from the way, when His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. Friend, blessed are all they (laughs) that put their trust in Him. Not some of them that put their trust in Him. All of them. All who put their trust in Him through God's undeserved grace find themselves kissing the feet of Christ. Beloved, we see through a glass darkly and we know not the particulars of being before Him face to face. However, in my sinful flesh, I trust what I now do by God's Spirit. I will do then in His presence that of bowing down before him in adoration to kiss the precious feet of my love and Savior, Christ Jesus our King. Friend, you'll only put your trust in a Savior who is faithful, a Savior who will not fail to save all the Father has given him, to save all who put their trust in him. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is faithful. If I were to tell you that He is God and faithful, perhaps you would not find it remarkable. But beloved, as a man, He is our faithful representative. He is God's seed, not man's seed, born of a virgin, flesh of our flesh, and bone of our bone. He lived out a perfect life upon the earth and established for His blessed people a perfect righteousness on their behalf. Oh, what a blessing to consider His person, God and man. What power, what humility. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, is our sovereign Lord, our wonderful Savior, the Counselor of our peace, Indeed, is our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and the fount of our everlasting peace. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Look there in verse 6.
speaking of his humanity, we read here, unto us a child is born, speaking to, of him as God's eternal son, he is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, a sovereign savior, <laughs> and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And it's not their word for word, but it's there implicitly. His people shall call him <laughs> Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I was talking with a fellow one time who is a a, a false witness, uh, Jehovah's false witness. And I I don't get into arguments with people. I just preach. <laughs> That's all you do. Open your mouth and preach Christ. And I said, I remarked to him, I said, if you're one of God's precious people, <laughs> one of his beloved, I'll tell you, I, there's some things you shall say about Jesus Christ. May I show them to you? <laughs> I read this to him. I can't conclude the matter regarding him. He's still living. He's still walking around. He still may be one of God's people. But at that particular time, the moment of love had not come to him, for he said, I cannot say that. It's right in God's word. <laughs> How is it you say that now, beloved? By God's undeserved grace. We call him the mighty God. <laughs> this leads me to my second consideration here the second lie of these filthy liars not only do they lie about his blessed person who he is God Almighty they lie about his saving work no matter if they be behind pulpits or in the pews these false unsent witnesses not only lie about his blessed person they also lie about his saving work now, how do they lie about his saving work they imply through their lies that God starts the work of salvation, but then you need to finish it. These liars say you must do this or that to be saved. They tell you many things except one thing you must hear to be saved. What is that, you ask? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. <laughs> That's the gospel, beloved. And these men and women, untaught of the Father, think to themselves, that's it? What a testament of the total depravity of man. To the utter ruin we find ourselves in, helpless to believe, left to ourselves apart from God's quickening grace in Christ. We would be the same, beloved, if it were not for God's quickening grace, His quickening power in Christ. Beloved, we know that believing on Christ on his blessed person and his finished saving work is the power of God and the wisdom of God through the faith of the operation of God. What blessed assurance. <laughs> Not merely believing in Christ, but beloved, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn where there with me. Let me tell you where to turn first. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
verse 18. I was preaching Christ and Him crucified and I heard in Spanish a word that means fool. Foolishness. (laughs) They had no idea how much they comforted me to hear that. (laughs) You'll understand why in a moment when we read this portion. Not... I was only thinking about myself, not them. I, I do want them to be saved. I want everyone who hears the gospel to be saved. I wasn't comforted by them saying fool and not believing. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, for the believer, this what the world calls foolishness is the power of God unto salvation, beloved. 22 there, verse 22. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Friend, if you or I should ever come before the Lord on that day, if you think that's a little too vague I'll, I'll be very plain your death day if should we come before the Lord on that death day our death day trusting in something that we did or didn't do as the basis of our acceptance God will justly send us to the lake of fire salvation is not some collaboration between God and man but it is entirely of the Lord this is set forth very plainly in God's word, word by three facts. First, salvation has one author. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. God's people, by God's undeserved grace, are not there trying to put their name beside their salvation. (laughs) There's only one name there, beloved. We look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Second, salvation has one workman. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. It's such a blessing to read the gospel of our salvation here. (laughs) Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And third, salvation has one righteousness. Turn with me to Psalm 71. 
we see here the testimony of all God's people in verse 16. I will go in the strength of the Lord. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. How I pray that the Lord would enable us here in New Canny to open our mouths boldly to make known the gospel as we ought. May the faithful witness, our Lord Jesus Christ, make us faithful witnesses that lie not. So who are these that are true and faithful witnesses, Who, those who lie not? Those whom the Lord sends his messengers, or rather as our text look, we see he has my messenger. All his messengers are his messengers. Uh, turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. Now, the, the leading we're looking at is the, the faithful witnesses and his witnesses. And we see there a pattern in verse 6. This is referring to John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. All of God's faithful witnesses, witnesses who lie not, are sent of the Lord. Whether that witness be behind a pulpit, whether it be in a private conversation or a public conversation. He sends his faithful witnesses. And just as our Lord sent John the Baptist as a precursor of the Lord, our Lord will send his witnesses to those whom he will have to worship him in spirit and in truth. Our Lord will send his witness to those whom he will have to worship him in spirit and in truth. But before we look at these worshipers, let us look first at some other witnesses we have set forth as a pattern in God's only book and consider them. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. In verse 26, we read, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Just as John was sent of the Lord to be his messenger, his witness to the apostles, those that would first believe and follow our Lord, so we read of Philip, that the angel of the Lord said to him, Go! <laughs> and we know that he went forth to witness to the eunuch. And we know that the eunuch believed in the Lord, followed the Lord and came up out of the water rejoicing in the blessed person and finished saving work of his Lord. Turn a couple of chapters uh, further into Acts chapter 16. Beginning there in verse 6. Now when they had gone throughout Phygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Masaya, they essayed to go into Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not.
And they passed by Messiah and came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in that night. There stood a man in Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately when we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Again, just as John was sent of the Lord to be his messenger, his witness to the apostles, those that would first believe and follow our Lord, so we read of Paul, that the Lord had called him to preach the gospel unto Lydia. Look there in verse 14, a little further down. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Theatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And we know that Lydia, who once worshipped God in spirit, who did not know in truth who he was, now worshipped him in spirit and in truth. Having believed on the Lord, following the Lord, was baptized, beseeching and constraining Paul to remain. I uh, was reflecting on the affection and the love of Lydia, and I'm I'm most certain that if uh, they had uh, MP3 players and CDs, (laughs) she would be saying, please leave a box. Now, those precious things that she had heard of God's messenger, God's witness, Paul, were were not just things, beloved, but the gospel of our opened heart, the gospel of our salvation, precious things of Jesus and his glory and of the things of his love. Now we turn to the second leading of the pattern seen in Malachi. We've just looked at the first leading, that pattern of God's witnesses. Now we turn to the pattern of God's worshipers. Turn back there to Malachi. Chapter 3, verse 1. And we'll pick up where we left off. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord hosts. A couple of particulars may be noted here. First, he shall suddenly come to his temple. And second, he shall come. What does this mean? Before we turn to a passage that I believe very blessedly sets forth the meaning of our portion here, let us read what God's servant would have us understand regarding our Lord's temple. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 16. God's servant declares in verse 16. Ye are the temple of the living God. 
as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. As we looked at all of the messengers, God sent John the Baptist. He preaches one day, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Nothing happens. And that one day, he preaches the same message. And suddenly, <laughs> his disciples follow the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Here's the eunuch. He's in the desert. God sends his messenger. And suddenly, <laughs> the eunuch saying, Behold, there's water. <laughs> what hindereth me to be baptized? What a good question. I like the, the answer better. <laughs> Philip said, If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you may. The, the woman, Lydia, the, the, the entrepreneur, here comes the messenger. Paul's preaching the gospel. And suddenly, <laughs> the heart is opened. She didn't open her heart. The Lord opened her heart. Beloved, we are the temple that he comes to suddenly the first leading we looked at was witnesses now let us consider a second leading that of worshipers the person of worship and his worshipers turn with me to John's gospel chapter 4 Look here in verse 21. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What a blessed testimony is set forth here. Indeed, a pattern of how it is that every true worshiper of God is saved. How true the words of the prophet our Lord shall come suddenly to his temple. Just as the faithful witness, our Lord, a witness who will not lie, must needs come to the woman at the well. And you'll see those words at the beginning of the portion that Brother Tyler read. This is not a chance encounter. We read in verse 4 of John chapter 4, he must needs go through Samaria. Just as he must needs come to this woman, the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria, our Lord must needs send his faithful witnesses to come to those whom the Father seeks, those whom will worship him in spirit and in truth. He must needs come suddenly to his temple. Beloved, why does the prophet declare, he shall come? It's right there in that one verse, and it's filled with gospel comfort. The gospel declares he shall come because our Lord shall save. <laughs> For he shall save his people from their sins. 
What a blessed summary of the hour of our salvation. The Lord says to this woman, But the hour cometh. And then he speaks particularly of that moment with her. And now is. (laughs) When three blessed things converge in God's saving providence. The messenger, the message, and the means. The messenger, not sent of man, but rather God's messenger. A messenger sent of God. Indeed, blessed thought, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the messenger of the covenant. That's in that first verse who we delight in and worship in spirit and truth always accompanies his messengers do you remember what he said beloved now I know when we looked at the recorded testimony of the Holy Spirit when we read about Philip coming to the eunuch while the, the Holy Spirit does not implicitly declare this it is a fact while Philip is there preaching the gospel to the eunuch (laughs) this promise is true of that moment Paul's preaching to the woman Lydia the entrepreneur it's true of that moment how deserving we are wherever you are beloved you're his witness (laughs) I'm not just talking behind this pulpit, beloved. (laughs) Do you remember what he said, beloved? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, and lo, I am with you always, (laughs) even unto the end of the world. Amen. The messenger. But not just the messenger, beloved. The message. Not a message of a place. You heard that in that conversation with woman of, of Samaria, the woman of the well. She wanted to know a place. But beloved, and, and, and not a position either. Not some theological position. But beloved, a person. <laughs> Our Lord tells this worshiper this woman at the well by the power of the gospel the hour cometh and now is and she finds herself before the object of her salvation (laughs) before the person of the great I am before our God and Savior the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilling in the particular for this child of God and it is true for all God's people the psalmist words thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power or in the words of our Lord, Lord, uh, he says, now. <laughs> right now. Whose power? The great I am's power. Our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. Can you say with Thomas, my Lord and my God? Can you say with Thomas, my Lord and my God? Then you know by experience, the preaching of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Beloved, He's wonderful. (laughs) He's our comfort. He's Almighty God, the Eternal Father, and the author and finisher of our peace. So perfect is that peace that the original language just says, peace, peace. (laughs) 
human speech is not capable of describing adequately the peace we that was true we often forfeit we sang that at the beginning but it's our peace it's there just look away from yourself beloved and look to the blessed person and finished saving work of our Lord and Savior peace peace if you find yourself believing on Christ tonight I tell you your sins have been blotted out through his sin atoning death through his precious blood and his righteous life he tells us even now at this hour, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. Let's have a look at that blessed verse there. Verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Do you remember what our Lord condescended to tell this woman? The woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am. The he is added. He is saying, I am. (laughs) Beloved, the object of our worship is not a place. (laughs) I hope you hear that. (laughs) Not even a theological position, but a person. The Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot be saved by a place. She wanted to know in the mountain or Jerusalem. You cannot be saved by a position. Oh, so you're um, a Calvinist. Well, that won't save you. But, oh, beloved, by God's undeserved grace, we hear the one who shall save, (laughs) the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, can you not hear him, the great I am? He declares, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake. And will remember thy sins, and will not remember thy sins. Remarkable. Will not remember thy sins. Someone may say, wait, wait a second. Hold on, preacher. I thought only God can forgive sins. That's right, he does. Our Lord Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. The power of God, the wisdom of God, has found a way to save you, sinner. Beloved, much more than forgive, though he most certainly has. He will not and cannot remember the sins of his people, for they all have been made to be his. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Shameful. Mournful. 
glorious gospel. <laughs> all your sins, beloved, all of them, have all been made Christ's. And all his righteousness has been made yours. Blessed gospel, amazing grace, abundant mercy. Oh, the undeserved and forever unfolding riches in Christ Jesus. Amen.